This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. politics program for October 12th. 2022-year-old pal Justin Robert Young joining you back home in Austin, Texas. Holy moly, I've got my voice recovered. At least a little bit. We're on, we're on the trail. <laughs> we are on the trail to full voice health. For anybody who listened on the Patreon, I did a podcast Sunday. Oh boy, wow. It's like four frogs were, were croaking in unison, but we're back now. We are rested. We are recovered. We are ready to head to the Peach State this weekend. Walker, Warnock, Savannah, Georgia. Oh, baby, it is all coming down to this. But on this program, we are going to discuss crime. Crime has emerged for the Republicans as their closing Pitch. We're going to talk about why it has been a failure on their part to not have something this cohesive up until now. We will take some speculation on whether or not it matters, and we will point out that the Democrats seem to be running scared on the issue. We're also going to check in on the fundamentals. Oh, you guys know that this is one of my this is one of my takes, one of my takes, something that I dare to try to impart to you guys. And that for all of the little stuff, all of the scandals, all of the polls, there's always one thing that I try to touch grass on, especially now that we are in the end game. The fundamentals. We're going to talk about those and see where they're at right now. And then we are going to welcome back our friend Evan Scrimshaw from The Lines, political betting expert. What I really like to do, especially with Evan, is just as we get closer to the election, let's just have more of these conversations so you guys know in real time, whether or not you think that me or Evan are necessarily the oracles at Delphi, that at least there is an evolution of these kinds of punditry, right? Of, of where we think our guesses are going to land. We go through all the battlegrounds. We write off a few states. Is he bullish on North Carolina? There's been a lot of, oh, Jerry Beasley. Jerry Beasley's got someone. I'm hearing things. I'm hearing things about Jerry Beasley. Does he buy it? I don't know. You're going to have to wait. Kind of is the answer. But still, that gives you enough room to go and and listen to it. All that. But first... One thing that I've lamented on the Republican side, specifically in picking out the national kind of tenor of these campaigns is the absence of one theme. And if I could do a little family therapy for the Republican party right now, I think the reason why we haven't gotten one is fairly elemental. The Republican party is not one party right now. You've got the most popular person in the Republican party, Donald Trump, who has pretty much since 2016 been almost universally loathed with everybody who used to run the Republican party in a tug of war on exactly what the platform and tenor of that platform should be. People at the top up to and including Mitch McConnell advocating for more of a sober take no chances position, essentially the Republican party of mine and many of your youths. Donald Trump is here for every bit of the super loud earned media find their weaknesses and pour salt and strychnine into them bare knuckle strategy. 
And so with that, whether or not you agree with one side or the other, there is an organizational cost. There's not one person who can bang their staff and now everybody who is running for office is singing the exact same tune. And while you have seen Republican strengths be played up and their weaknesses hidden, the basics of all this, you still don't have the one slogan, the one bumper sticker. That is arguably until now. The Republicans going into Election Day want you to know one thing. Democrats are making you less safe. And the evidence is all around you. Narratively, I think a lot of people are probably going to point to Wisconsin on this. The fact that Ron Johnson was thought to be somebody that had a very good chance to lose his Senate seat, a Republican seat in Wisconsin, against a progressive in Mandela Barnes. And whether or not you bought that, The fact that he started running Mandela Barnes is a bad on crime candidate that he wants to defund the police is looked at as flipping that particular race, at least in the polling. So we're going to tell this story in the way that we like to tell a lot of stories on this show, and that is through political advertising. We are going to begin with a non-competitive state. This is the state of Louisiana, where Senator John Kennedy has released the following ad. Violent crime is surging in Louisiana. Woke leaders blame the police. I blame the criminals. A mom should not have to look over her shoulder when she's pumping gas. I voted against the early release of violent criminals and I opposed defunding the police. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. I'm John Kennedy, and I approve this message. Now, Senator Kennedy is a quote machine. Anytime that you have various different videos of you on YouTube with compilation in the title, uh, because he says so many kind of funny, ridiculous one-liners, you know the man is there to to play up the the ridiculous incredulous kind of statements that he made right there. Call a crackhead is really funny. There's few things that are genuinely funny in politics and not just funny because it's political or it agrees with you. That's legitimately funny. But funny is not what I would use to describe the next ad. In fact, this ad is something very serious. And and the charges made in this are absolutely horrifying. This is the MAGA PAC political action committee running an ad against John Fetterman in Pennsylvania right now. He brutally murdered his girlfriend's mother with a pair of scissors. Convicted of first-degree murder, John Brookins is serving a life sentence. John Fetterman was the only member of the pardon board to vote for Brookins' release. The only vote. John Fetterman wants ruthless killers, muggers, and rapists back on our streets. And he wants them back now. John Fetterman is dangerous. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Now that, I know it's spooky season here in in October and horror movies are all around, but in that ad, you really only need a witch cackling, ominous footsteps (laughs) and everything else that you would have on a haunted house soundtrack to, to really kind of cement it. That is about as dire as you can get when it comes to John Fetterman is soft on crime. He wants murderers and rapists out on the street and he wants them out now. John Fetterman in the visual language of this ad is going to win his election against Mehmet Oz and then run as fast as he can to every jail and just swing the doors open. 
That's, I mean, that's aggressive. But it shows you that Republicans are confident in this message. They are confident that this is the kind of message that will force some on the fence, possible independents, conservatives, to hold their nose and vote for candidates that don't have a track record and have run, let's say, spotty campaigns like Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania, like Herschel Walker in Georgia. And according to a new article from the Wall Street Journal today, there's good reason why they have that confidence. They have that confidence because they've seen good polling and reaction to those ads. Specifically, specifically when they're run next to the evening news. Because crime is getting covered a lot. The visuals in these ads are horrifying as they are just recordings of horrifying things happening. And while the FBI has said murders are up in America, but violent crime has tailed down from the height it was during the pandemic, the fact that things feel less safe in the cities is a specifically interesting message for the Republicans to go with, because not only is it something that folks in the suburbs don't want to come to their neighborhood, but if folks find it compelling, then it might be a voter suppressant in the place that Democrats reside. And you know that Democrats are afraid of this particular message. They're afraid of this message in the same way the Republicans are afraid of abortion. Here's how you know. This is Val Demings running against Marco Rubio in Florida, doing her best to distance herself from anything close to defund the police. I'm Val Demings. I learned as a police officer, you stand up for what's right, no matter what. That's how you put the bad guys away and keep Florida safe. In Congress, I did the same. I stood up to those in my party who wanted to defund the police. I was one of a few Democrats who voted to make sure violent criminals go to jail and stay there. I'm Val Demings and I approve this message because the Senate could use a cop on the beat who only works for Florida. There are only so many issues that have the kind of traction that this does. And while crime is something that consistently ranks at the top of voters, issues, the economy is also there. And that's why I said before, the number one thing that I would have, if I were, if I were a a Republican political strategist is say the Biden recession, the Biden recession, the Biden recession, it's here. Challenge my opponent to just, I want my opponent to be asked, are we in a recession right now? Because spoiler alert, it's going to be official soon. So you might as well force them to twist before the Biden administration wants to say it. And then when they don't, you say, well, we can't even talk to them because they don't even admit it's real. So I want to ask you, the voter, how long do you want this recession to last? Because if the Democrats are in charge, they are going to continue to spend money. They're going to continue to bury us deeper. Six years are the senators that are going to be in this, in this class. That means for your middle schooler, they'll be graduating high school. Anyway, that's me playing fantasy football with how I would run campaigns. That being said, crime is a very telegenic issue. It is a very personal issue. And you cannot be paying attention to the the world without noticing that, indeed, our murder rate is higher than it normally is. The lockdown and the pandemic did a number on how much and how brazen violent crime is in America right now. Will that be enough to suppress votes in liberal areas? Will it be enough to make an independent in Pennsylvania, especially in the counties that people need them to be, to hold their nose and vote for Oz, to hold their nose and vote for Herschel? Maybe. 
But I'm officially circling this right now. We're going to talk to Scrimshaw about it a bit later, that if the Republicans overperform and if at the end of the day, Mitch McConnell is again the Senate majority leader, then we're probably going to say they won this election on crime. As I mentioned at the top of the program, I am heading on out to Savannah, Georgia. This weekend, we are, I don't know if I'm going to get in the room for the Warnock-Walker debate. I'm going to do my best. You know, you never know what is possible until you show up and and say, uh, uh, pretty please. But... I will be in Savannah. I'm going to do my best to be around to catch some of the the, the candidate and campaign vibes as uh, they are are exiting that event. However, it doesn't happen unless you guys support me. You guys that go to takepoliticsseriously.com. You guys that do something that is, again, Truly remarkable. I was just at this conference where there's a lot of media professionals. There's a lot of people that do this for a living. All of them had never heard of somebody that does what we do right here. And that is self-fund a national political coverage machine that that circumvents any kind of corporate expense card thing. It is just me and you, babe. And that is what matters because you guys know that this is my passion. This is the stuff that I love to do. I'm not just legging it out. I'm not just looking to see what the regular narrative is and then parrot it. This is when it counts. And you guys are making sure that I am on the ground for that event. If you would like to be a part of it, you can head to takepoliticsseriously.com. At the $3 level, you get two bonus episodes, including uh, uh, you know the, the, the first episode that's going to come out after this debate is on the Patreon. So now would be a good week to get in on it because by the time that we do our next free episode, it's going to be several days afterward. And obviously, we will have reaction from it. But if you want the first blush and boy, this is has the potential to be a bit of a spicy debate. Spicier than what happened in in Ohio on Monday. Tim Ryan, J.D. Vance, eh, it's all right. Very mild, which I guess fits Ohio. But we got some real scandal here in Georgia. We got some real stakes there in Georgia. This, I still believe, is going to be a close race. And you will get to hear it first if you head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. Two bonus episodes. If you're at the $3 level, if you want to join the Titanic $10 tier, get your name shouted out in these, the final episodes before the midterm, now's the time to do it. Takepoliticsseriously.com. Fundamentals. They are fun. They are dementals. So what do I say when I say fundamentals? Number one, since time immemorial, we know that traditionally the party out of power does well in the midterm. That would be the Republicans in this case. The Democrats are the party in power. They control the House. They control the Senate. They control the presidency. So fundamental number one, I'm always going to be more bullish on the side that is in that position. Regardless of what's happening, you can explain to me in a million different ways why this time is different. I will hear you. I will nod. It will be a solemn nod. I will not uh, uh, be glib about it, but just know in my head, I'm going to say, be careful, be careful because this always happens and it always happens for a reason. And then everybody who explains why this is the exception, the next day after it happens again, they say, well, obviously, you know, this normally happens. But there's two other things that are important. Number one, 
Well, actually, here two two numbers that are that are very important in general. Obviously, the economy is something that is fascinating. Uh, uh, we're going to get our inflationary reports uh, this week. So the consumer price index at the conference that I was at, there were a lot of economists. I was quizzing some of them on where they thought that number was going to come. Uh, uh, they range anywhere between six to eight percent, which would mean it would come down slightly from where it was. But there's no question that inflation has had a massive effect on this economy. But let's put that aside for a second. Let, let, let's look at some political polling numbers. First and foremost, the president's approval rating. We're, we're trying to look at where the baseline sentiment of these parties are nationally. So regardless of what you think about polls, you can see in some large grand scale, and this is where I tend to like to look at polls. I don't like to obsess about single polls or, or even like a grouping of five or six. I, I like to look at big, long, sweeping aggregates. And we've got, you know, a, a few that that did do that. First and foremost, the presidential approval of Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Right now, Real Clear Politics has him at down 10.3%. So that means that he is 10% disapprove and uh, 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 more 10% more people disapprove of him than approve of the job that he is doing. And some of the most recent have him back into some of the ugly territory, not quite as ugly as it, as it once got, but we're getting back into the consistently double digits, uh, uh, negative approval. So, for example, Rasmussen reports with one that went from the 6th to the 10th of October, 1,500 likely voters. By the way, Rasmussen had been a very good poll for him. They now have him down 16. Reuters has him down 13. IBDTIPP has him down 8. Those are the three most recent ones. Now, that's bad. It's not as bad as it was. Indeed, let's flash back to the dog days of summer, July 21st. That is when the yawn between approve and disapprove was at its height at 20.7. That is where Biden's aggregate average was 36.8 to his disapproval of 57.5. So he's halved that. There was a point where it was Better, But if we see this start to drop again and the worry that you have if you are a Democrat is that the uh, the improvement in Biden's number was tied almost directly to the cost of gas and the cost of gas is going up again. So we, we're, we're going to keep an eye on that. That is a key core fundamental. If Biden within the next several weeks starts polling at those low numbers again, then it is something that you really have to pay attention to if you're a Democrat. Let's look at the other big fundamental, and that is the congressional ballot. So this, for folks just tuning in, is when a pollster asks somebody, are you going to vote for a Republican or a Democrat? You don't know who the candidate is. You just know their party. This is something that many Democrats have pointed to in saying, well, this is why we're going to buck the trend this year. This is why we might keep the House, which they're not. This is why we are going to keep the Senate, which is still in play. The reason that they have had that is because, by and large, the congressional uh, uh, generic ballot has been very close. Indeed, in September, you saw a run of polls from various different organizations that all put the Democrats up. Traditionally, if you are about to be swept out of power, you tend to be down. And sometimes in history, you have seen congressional generic ballot uh, polls that have put other parties down six, eight percent. So if it's close, 
That's very good for you. And indeed, the Democrats being up by one for a News Nation poll, three for an NPR poll, uh, uh, another three uh, D plus three for Politico, and then The Economist had them up one. That's great. That was September. Since then, we have seen an insider advantage poll that put the Republicans up three and a Rasmussen poll that put Republicans up four. A reminder, Rasmussen, I know that we had, it had always been the joke that it was the poll that took uh, 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 Trump more seriously. But Rasmussen, this cycle has been kinder to Democrats. So where are we at with that relative to where we've been? Well, the Republicans have never had a gigantic lead in the congressional ballot. In fact, it was February of this year when they had their biggest. It was Republicans plus 3.6. So this has not been a strong suit for them. However, the current spread of 0.9, so they're basically one point up, is a return to form for them. They are no longer, at least for now, trading spots on on you know who is more popular the republicans or the democrats again keep a, an eye on these fundamentals as we go forward because if we are looking at a situation where that generic ballot does start to widen again if it does show up as a republican plus 3 plus 4 or higher, then that means that everything that we have thought about these races going into election day will not be what's happening on election day. One more thing about polls. They are about what's happening right now. They are not necessarily a predictor of the future. They are a reflection of the present. And we are assuming that various different reflections of the past are at least predictive of the mood of the national electorate, or at least the electorate in the states that we care about, which we're going to talk to Scrim about, once we come to election day. So what's the takeaway? Well, if you're Biden, you're worried. By the way, Biden's 80th birthday coming up, something that the White House is going to intentionally try and play down because, you know, his age is, 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 is a touchy subject. Meanwhile, you got the price of gas. You got the announcement that it's going to be a recession. That's going to come before Election Day. I. I got to say. I would not be shocked if these numbers start returning to where they were during the summer. I don't know if we're going to get Biden down 20 percent. I don't know if we're going to to have the Republican congressional ballot spike to a three, four or five position. But. I don't know, I, I, I guess I would be more surprised if they got better for Democrats than if they got better for Republicans. But that's just a hunch. Our guest today is no stranger to this program. He's one of our favorite people to talk to. Uh, and, you know, we just check in with him. We're, we're, we're coming to the end, though, for the midterms. I don't know how many more appearances. I think probably one more appearance. But we're going to savor what we have right now. Welcome back to the show, political betting expert Evan Scrimshaw. Welcome back to the show, Scrim. Thanks for having me. Love doing this. All right. As we stand right now, under 30 days to the election, where do you have your count if the Senate were to be decided today? Democrats will hold everything that they are currently defending. They will win Pennsylvania. They will have 51 Senate seats at the end of this election cycle. All right. Well, let, let, let's let's start about uh, in, in, in Nevada then, because that has been the one where we have seen probably the the most at least polling swing steadily toward Adam Laxalt over Catherine Cortez Masto. And if, if you know, we're, we're going to we're going to find out exactly uh, where between novice and bad the Republican candidate slate is, you know, in only a few days. But. Laxalt is surging, at least polling wise, and you still have Masto up. Why? 
because Nevada polls have been historically bad, but they've been historically Democrats tend to beat their polls in Nevada in every competitive cycle of the Obama Trump era. Democrats beat their polls except 2020. And I, in a state where the polls have always had one, one form of bias and then 2020, which, you know, Vegas was hit almost uniquely by the pandemic and by pandemic effects. And, you know, I sort of think that I, I'm just going to trust that a Cortez master has time to fix the problems. B polls in Nevada have never been that reliable and three it's a turnout game. And I yeah. just, I trust that in, I just, I trust the remnants of the old Harry reading machine and the culinary union to get out democratic votes in Vegas more than I trust rural Republican turnout without Trump on the ballot, especially if the last time Trump's going to the state was, I think it was this past weekend, which yeah. will be a month they shed from the election. So you're not worried about the, the, uh, the, 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 the rumbling about a lack of, of, of Hispanic turnout specifically within the culinary union. I mean, I'm glad if, because if it goes bad, that's how it goes bad. Right. 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 But I'm sort of glad we're getting the rumblings because no Democrats would be stupid enough to not, keep putting in the money on Spanish language radio in Spanish, in, uh, you know, in Hispanic outreach, like Democrats know that this is the ball game and the sort of good thing about this, that I'm not being fairly narrow this cycle. Yeah. means the Democrats won't be stupid enough to spread <laughs> their money too, too wide, which was a huge mistake they made in 2020. I think we can all admit this right now. Why do you think 2020 was the outlier? Because it was well, when the polls were horrible, and so you could justify anything with, you could justify anything with. Well, we're within two points because we were either within two points or winning in like nine states, and like you could make an argument that sounded logical for Kansas and Alaska and South Carolina and all these places, and it's like, well, Democrats aren't stupid enough to to try that anymore like no serious like basically democrats got burned last time and now no democrats stupid enough to take good ish seeming polls at face value but in 2020 we thought like all the indicators lined up like the national polls pointed to a wave the state polls pointed to a wave the district polls pointed to a wave and so democrats sort of caught themselves thinking like well in a wave this is like this is on the table yeah and then it wasn't a wave. And then all the people who thought it was a wave look like idiots. So, but, but when it comes to Nevada specifically, which uh, uh, as was, we always point out here is effectively Clark County and not to say that Reno doesn't play a role, not to say that the rural areas don't play a role, but you are, you are pretty much doing all your work for both parties in one city with one industry. You, you think that, that the, everything that happened with the pandemic leading into 2020 is what led to an underperformance by Democrats. I think it's certainly like, I think if I, I think that we have sort of taken the, the, the broadly correct national take of, you know, Hispanic, you know, like there were issues with the bank voters and there were issues with the bank voters in, in Nevada too. But I think we do underplay the, the pandemic impact in Nevada, in Vegas. And if, if the like correct baseline is like a D plus four state and not like a D plus two and a half state. Yeah. But I think a lot more people's fundamentals would say that, you know, Democrats are in fine shape and when the polls pretty consistently always show Democrats beating their polls, including the last time Adam Black Salt was on the ballot in yep. 2018. Um, if, if my whole thing is I'm going to dismiss the chances of Democrats winning Wisconsin and Ohio because of historical polling misses, I'm going to be consistent and apply that to Nevada when it goes the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I think Democrats will be, I mean, they're, they're never going to win big in Nevada, but you know, they'll win by two points. The one thing that I would say if, uh, because I, I do think that you are, you are right to point out that if 2020 was a problem because at least in part, there have been, there has not been a full, there was not in 2020, a recovery from the pandemic in a tourism industry. From what I know of people that are in Las Vegas right now, they're still not back to full employment. 
Like that, that, that is still a city that is not where they were back in 2019. Uh, and I, I do wonder about the enthusiasm specifically amongst the, the hold of the culinary union right now when they haven't been able to get all their members jobs back. I mean, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's all peaches and roses, but if we still manage to win the state in 2020 in very dire circumstances, yeah, you know, I I do think they will do better. I think this time I think around, prospects are better for us because it's better than the horrible thing, and we still managed to win under the horrible conditions. So I do think Democrats should be able to win under mildly bad situations, all right, and not full out disaster. Let's write some states off. Uh, I'm ready to write off Arizona. I I I don't I don't quite get what is happening uh, with the Blake Masters campaign. I, I don't quite understand what they're trying to do. Uh, I, I think that when you are getting demolished in your enthusiasm by, by Carrie Lake, which I don't mean to, to take away from Carrie Lake's prowess with her connection that she has to that Arizona a Republican electorate. But uh, it, it feels like, like that one's, that one's done. Is it done for you? No one, I mean, every Republican has implicitly admitted it's done because they aren't giving him any money. So, yeah. Yeah. Except for Peter Thiel, who says he's only going to give Blake Masters his money now, apparently. Yeah, but Peter Thiel keeps talking about giving Blake Masters all of his money and he never does. <laughs> so, like, I'm 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 fully in when he writes the $10 million check, I'll reconsider my priors, but he hasn't. So I'm not going to yet. You mentioned that you believe that Wisconsin is off the table. Yeah, just Mandela Barnes is losing and the polls in Wisconsin are never particularly accurate. So Wisconsin's probably off the board for Democrats. And Rod Johnson has more money. He can self-fund if he if he ends up in a pinch. And, you know, Republican, you know, Republican uh, Senate leadership funds spend a ton there and are going to continue to spend a ton there. And. I think that's about as well as good as Mandela Barnes could have can reasonably hope to do is just make the Senate Leadership Fund keep up their keep up their uh, spending. The lesson coming out of Wisconsin, it seems, is that crime matters. And Ron Johnson effectively took a very vulnerable position that he was in and almost completely 180 it on one issue. And that is Mandela Barnes is for defunding the police and wants rapists and murderers. Uh, out on the street earlier in this episode, we were, were playing some uh, particularly spicy uh, uh, ads that have come out uh, from Republican PACs against various candidates, including John Fetterman. And the fact that Val Demings is, is running as an anti defund the police Democrat. Uh, do you think that that, you know, if, if you wake up the day after election day, and the story is, wow, it was more about crime than we thought. Would you be shocked? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I I wonder if the 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 crime really, really caused the 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 Ron Johnson surge. I wonder if that's like a little overstated just because he was probably never losing by it as much as the polls said. Because it was too. It was really. It was, really, it was, it was that poll. one Trafalgar poll, right? Because I think everybody, oh, yeah, everybody then, had, everybody had, had it. Yeah, everybody yeah. had it. Kind of as a, as as a Johnson's leading state, and the Trafalgar, I think, had Johnson down two points. And everybody, it was like like that 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 community meme of Donald Glover coming in with the pizza. It was just insanity. Yep. Yeah, because everyone, because everyone wanted to write off Marquette and Fox as like uh, just like damn acts, like they don't know how to pull the state, and then it's like oh. Fogger. but yeah um i almost wonder if it was just one of these things where like he it, like the baseline looked worse than it was in reality and then so some of his recovery was just reversion to where he actually was and then some of it was the crime stuff but i mean yeah barnes hasn't like it's turned out to be about as good of a candidate as a lot of people thought and a lot of people started to overrate him because he got three good bulls in late july and early august when nothing in his candidate profile ever suggested he'd be some world beater of a candidate. Let's talk about one race that is getting a little bit of buzz is possibly going the other way. Are you writing off North Carolina for the Democrats? I'm not writing it off. It's obviously 
like a tier down from the big states. Yeah. But um, Sherry Beasley is just too consistently close. And even good Republican pollsters can't get can't get either a lead or much of a lead for Ted Budd. Um, And the thing is, is that that race is sort of in the perfect sweet spot for a theoretical Democratic upset. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's close enough that the national committees are still spending, but it's doesn't, it's still off the board enough that there isn't like Republican panic about it, which means that the race is still a little bit unnationalized and Republicans aren't like galvanized and worried about it, which if you're Sherry Beasley, you want black turnout to go up or at least in a relative sense, um, or go down less from, because turnout everywhere is going to go down from 2020, but like you want it to go down less. So black, the black share of the electorate goes up and you kind of just don't want, like you just don't want rural whites to come out in quite the same force. And yeah, Sherry Beasley not becoming a recognizable hate figure for the right has really helped. Like it isn't a nationalized campaign. Ted Bud's eh. like he's the most boring nondescript senatorial candidate on either side. Um, Which, I mean, in this cycle, for, for, for the Republicans, we're, we're going to find out exactly how much of a, a, a boon or a bane that is. Right. But, like, I Beasley is running the right campaign that puts her in the window to, to pull off the upset. I'm yeah. not saying she's going to. I think Republicans are favored. But, like, I'm not taking it off the board. Because that was a big polling miss for the Senate in 2020, right, in North Carolina? Uh, I mean, it tightened the polls tightened pretty, pretty narrow, pretty substantially to the end. But yeah, it was still a decent sized mess. All right. Although, no, Cal Cunningham wasn't going to win even without the sex scandal. When Biden lost the state, Cunningham was screwed. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, that, that, that sex scandal definitely has to, uh, has to play some kind of role. All right. Let, let's talk about some of the bigger races. Uh, we the last time we talked, I think we both agreed that uh, uh, we, in, unless it's a very very special circumstance, debates don't matter. We might have special circumstances coming up in at least two states, and we're going to get to those in a second. But first things first, did you watch any of the clips of the Tim Ryan JD Vance debate on Monday? Yeah, I saw I saw the the I saw the ask from Roman, which. Tim Ryan uh, quoting Donald Trump and saying that the J.D. Vance is just a ass kicker, uh, ass kisser of Donald Trump, which I just I thought was funny. And we'll probably do Tim Ryan what he wanted, which is get him a lot of grassroots fundraising. But I, I, I maintain my position that these debates mostly don't mostly yeah. don't move the needle and they're mostly just fun for. Fun for people who do not have enough time on their hands on Monday nights. <laughs> it's political Holiday Twitter, Monday right? It, it basically yeah. is like it's like like if it were just a limited series on Netflix d- designed algorithmically for political Twitter, that's what these debates would be. Right, which is why I, which is why I was watching Monday Night Football <laughs> instead of finding yeah. it live stream. No, I caught up on Andor. It's pretty good. I liked Andor. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that. Uh, look, it, it, it even even the traction it got on liberal Twitter, the ass kisser line was muted compared to what I think a particularly spicy line delivered by Ryan would be. Uh, by and large, most of the commentary that I saw and and the clips that I saw seemed to reinforce that you know JD Vance of all the neophytes that are running, uh, I, I think is probably among the, the the safer of the rookies. He seems to know the issues that he needs to hit. I think he has gotten more confident on this campaign. And effectively, he just needs to say that Tim Ryan voted with Biden all the time, and it doesn't matter how many footballs he throws. He's a Schumer crony. And I think he did that effectively. I mean, Vance is playing on the easiest setting of any of the neophytes because he's just running in the right of the state. But yeah. he's also probably... Like he he has the easiest hand, but he's probably playing it the best of any of them. So, yeah, we if we want to give him flowers for that, he can get them. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, uh, it's it's weird. Like there, I don't know whether it's just the right people in in the like political media ecosystem are like they have enough uh, 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 people that are working 
in or around the Tim Ryan campaign. But I've been kind of baffled by the like Tim Ryan running a good race, running a real good race right now kind of uh, a commentary on it, because I I still don't particularly see it. I think he has left himself vulnerable for a fairly critical shot, which is pretending that he's more conservative than he is. Tim Ryan's been a reliable source for most of the Hill um, for the last however long he's been in Congress. Yeah. And he was a great source because we saw it when he when he did his like quixotic bid to become speaker, which we've all sort of like pigeonholed. And then when he ran for president, which we've all completely pigeonholed. And like he keeps getting like like credulous write ups from people who should know better. And therefore, my only response is that he is just like it is just he's been a good source to the Hill media because we see it in Canada all the time. He's like nobody backbench MPs get written up as like, you know, future cabinet stars. And I'm like, he's dumber than like the little wooden table. Oh, <laughs> he. Oh, yeah. He does. He hosts drinks every three weeks in his office and half the press corps comes. That's why. Probably. The I would I would Ryan. say that I would bet that Tim Ryan's probably a good hang. Like if, oh, I yeah. were, if I were to rank the hangs, like I would say Tim Ryan, probably like you're, you're going to have a good time. He'll probably have like two more drinks than he should and be a little bit more honest than he should. Uh, I, I could, I could see, I could, I, I, I would like to have a beer with Tim Ryan. Oh yeah. I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite certain that a lot of things that have ended up getting, you know, reported by Punchbowl or Politico or whatever else originated as a, you didn't get this for me, but. Tim Ryan quote two drinks deep or four drinks deep. So that's why. All right. Let's move into the two debates, which, and, and we are both on the same team that these debates don't matter, but boy, these debates are pretty interesting. Let's go to where I am going to be this uh, weekend, this Friday, which is Savannah, Georgia. The only debate between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock, obviously this race was uh, interesting before, even more interesting later. Uh, uh, before we get to the debate itself, walk me through how you process the Herschel Walker scandal and how the candidates have reacted to it. So it was one of those things where, like, obviously I didn't know that this was out there, but I just wasn't I wasn't that shocked by the original story that, you know, he had forced a, a former partner of his to have an abortion because, like, there were too, too many hints that there were things out there. Yeah. That made me like, okay, so this is this is it. This is the thing. Um, and then Herschel's son, Christian, um, who's a TikTok influencer, and I'll just leave that at the factual description of what I think of him. Yeah. Um, you know, he was going off and he, you know, tweeted that, you know, he had to move him and his mom had to move six times in six months to get away from Herschel. And then I went, holy shit. Um, I think the Warnock campaigns played this correct in that they've mostly just let the reporting do yeah. do the job. They haven't politicized this. Um, Walker's response has been more muddy to I don't know the woman to I write a lot of people checks. To, I don't know if I forced her to have an abortion um, to I've done some things and to, to putting it in an ad being like, I've done some things, but I've, I've gotten forgiveness from God or something. Um, well, he, yeah, he, he blamed it on, on, on the, the dissociative identity disorder for which he wrote a book that, that seems to be where the campaign has settled. They put out an ad, uh, a face up to camera uh, ad that, uh, uh, you know, even showed the book. He's like, look, I wrote a book about all the dumb things I did. So I think that's that's where they've landed. Uh, uh, although the campaign itself, if not Walker specifically, have begun to dial up the the the, the Warnock issues with his um, with his ex-wife. Yeah, but the problem with that strategy is that they they tried this in 2020 and it didn't work. So I like that's the thing you 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 can only play these things like you can't play this card repeatedly and think it's going to work because when you've played a card before and it didn't work I don't I mean it, it's a desperate campaign because the that is the for sure that, Herschel, that is for sure because the yeah the problem that Herschel Walker has is that there are two ways you win there's two ways you win in Georgia you either get uh, a meaningfully higher share of the black vote than Trump got yep 
he's not going to, was never really going to, no evidence that that's going to be the case. Or he does better in the like parts of it, the, the parts of like greater Atlanta that would get really offended if you called them Atlanta. Um, and the problem is, is that he never really had like the greatest lane to do that before this, but he didn't take responsibility. He's got four kids with four, with four women. One of his kids has called him, you know, a threat to, you know, a threat to kill his son and his ex-wife. And any of the, any of the, you know, Romney Biden voters who were like, Ooh, can I vote for Herschel? Are now going to be like, no, I can't because he's a, he's like, he's not only like, in, you know, of, of, let's just say, you know, questionable mental acuity. He's also like dangerous and crazy. And as long as those, if, if those voters don't, don't revert back. Yes. Then if, 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 he, is, if he is not covering, if he is not carrying the, the, the suburban Georgian Kemp voters, like the, right. he, he needs to mitigate the, 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 the ticket splitting here. And Kemp and Kemp basically threw him under the bus by saying, you know, I'm focused on myself. Like Kemp isn't gonna isn't gonna save him with a with Kemp an is not Kemp, Kemp is GOP not gonna rescue him. No, I mean or, there's right. there's a lot of other national Republicans that are coming into the state uh, uh, that apparently do want to uh, uh, try to push it over the hill, but uh, Kemp is not one of them. Although, uh, you know, I, I I think there might be there might be an argument to say that Kemp is doing Walker the best favor that he can by just you know keeping himself as a North star on that ticket uh, and just hoping people uh, uh, don't move their hand too far to the left. I mean, at the end of the day, like Walker's path is always tenuous because yeah. he needs 50% on the day. Um, you know, runoff dynamics are, are always hard in Georgia for the party more relying on rural turnout. The black turnout should be good in a, in a runoff. Uh, so, you know, Democrat, like, you know, a runoff always is sort of a more as a default position is more comfortable for Democrats, um, especially in a situation where, you know, Warnock gets 49 percent. Like, yeah, he'll Georgia Democrats are, are confident that they would win that. And I agree with that confidence. And I mean, I think all I all I think Herschel's scandal has has functionally done. I don't think it's changed who's going to win because I've been the Warnock guy on this podcast yeah. for yes, you a have year and a half now since mm-hmm. I started coming on. Um, all this is done. All this is functionally done is substantially increase the chances that we know who's won the Senate by November twelfth. Yeah, I don't there, think there's there, going there, to there, run there, there is there, there is no runoff that you you believe that this could push Warnock over the fifty percent threshold. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that this debate matters? Yes or no? Um, I think it's only downside for Republicans because they're because I, I don't think there's a universe where Walker like comes out and does amazing, but yeah. there is a universe where he just completely doesn't like forget what he's saying halfway through a sentence and just looks completely ill prepared and it just basically it forces Republicans to bail. But other than that, I don't think it matters that much. I think the Republicans are pot committed here. I, 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 I don't think that if if the the, the son of the candidate uh, uh, going rogue when he is otherwise doing nothing but talking about how amazing Ron DeSantis is, uh, uh, if that does not scare you off, I don't think that there's anything that Herschel Walker can say on the debate stage, aside from uh, I, I wanted to fund the police that would make Republicans run away from him. I do think that while it's less likely he's going to, you know, kind of space out on something, uh, I do think that we might, well, we are, we are on alert for another, you know, Chinese air is exchanging itself with American air kind of rambling, you know, uh, 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 something that goes to, to Southern folksy into incomprehension. But that's my thought. Uh, let's let's move on that debate as fast as possible. <laughs> uh, uh, let's let's move on to a debate that I do think matters uh, 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 that uh, that I do believe is something that will, uh, uh, you know, at least be be very interesting to watch, if not possibly impactful. And that is Fetterman versus 
Oz. Uh, do you believe as 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 a as a hard bitten these debates don't matter? Does this one matter? I'm going to adapt the same answer I, I I said in the other one. I don't think there's a situation where Fetterman comes out looks amazing, but I think it's I think it's a question of does he lose it or can he just because if he plays to a draw he's probably going to win. This, he's probably going to win. If so, then yes, loses, it matters. It matters. If you're saying that, that it, his it can, performance, it, it, it has it, it. It definitely, it definitely. There's definitely real substantive downside for Democrats here. Yes, 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 because he's his. You know, even you know, I think was it the the, the Atlantic that just gave him a fairly favorable um, bio uh, uh, that kind of crystallizes all of the themes that the Fetterman campaign has has run on, which is steering into the skid on. On, on, on the disability side and like even then everybody has to say John Fetterman needs to do this on Google Meet because it has closed captioning uh, and and nobody has really seen what that looks like in real time especially with the the hot lights on him that is a situation where I think he could just sort of trail off and and things could look bad you know and in in the way that Somebody who just suffered a stroke could look bad in a situation like that. Right. And that's that's the thing, right? It's it's not about like overall debate performance because literally like the who who won the debate, who lost the debate yeah. conversation is completely irrelevant and all this stuff. It's is there a moment does it's it's in Georgia, it's Death Rush for Walker have another good air, bad air China moment. Yeah. And in Pennsylvania, it's does John Fetterman have a Oh my lord! I like Democrats just have their heads in their hands. Like, oh my lord, what did we do? Nominating this guy moment, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not his doctor, so no idea yeah. if he's gonna have one of those. But yeah, that's the thing. It needs to be a it needs to be a moment that can just crystallize it. Although, good thing is Democrats were smart; they they agreed for this in you know late October. Yeah, so, no, if, not, if they not a if, lot of time for this to matter. Yeah, if, if if they could have done it the morning of election day, I feel like they would have done that. That would have been the uh the, the initial schedule opportunity. <laughs> I mean, gotta 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 play the cards dealt. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh but but you you are you are not buying the Oz surge. I mean, I'm buying that Oz is like has done better when we've gotten these round of polls, but the thing is he was pulling at like 37% the first time all these pollsters came in the field and now he's pulling at 42 and like, is that improvement? Yes. Is that, does it put it into play? Does that mean that he's suddenly going to get to 47? No, because most of the undecideds are younger. They're more likely to be non-white and they're more likely to have an unfavorable opinion of Oz, which means he has a hard ish ceiling around 46, 47% of the vote. And that's not a win number when you have a no-name libertarian on the ballot and who, you know, will be lucky to scrape 2%. It's just not. Well, uh, we will check back with you as we get even closer to our uh, uh, midterms. But uh, I think this is shaped up pretty good. I'm going to Savannah this weekend and then I'll be in I'll be in Vegas for the final uh, the final weeks of that of that race, because I do think that that's going to be, you know, aside from the freak show that is Oz Fetterman, um, the, 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 the Nevada race to me feels like the one that could tip things that could either, you know, uh, based on your math, leave things tied in the Senate or, uh, uh, allow Republicans to, to squeak through with 51. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is that Republicans need to win two of, personal odds and lack salt. Yeah, no, no, they, like they, need, they need one of the clearly. insane races to go their way. They need Pennsylvania or Georgia to go their way. And Georgia is uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously uh, uh, what it is. Pennsylvania, I feel like is there is there is their best chance. But even then, I think that's a that is a less favorable, uh, a less favorable board for them. Right. Like, I think I think Democrats have a pretty clear 50. And then Nevada is clearly their 51st. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't I, I'm not willing like I, I believe what I believe in, you know, articulated off the show. But like if you, you know, people can disagree with me on that one. But that's the thing is the Democrats don't need Nevada because they because Fetterman looks like 
he should take care of Oz, which means, which makes Nevada, you know, ideal. Hopefully they win it, but it's not the quite the necessity that it was. Yeah. Uh, Evan Scrimshaw, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you? Uh, politics writing over at scrimshawnscript.substack.com at write a column just as we finish this uh, recording. Uh, politics, political betting, and NFL content over at thelines.com. Um, wrote about what did I write about this week for the lines? I don't even remember. This well, let point. me let me ask you this. Um, let me let me let me let me let me put the screws to you a little bit because you came on this show and you told everybody that your big pick was fading the Dallas Cowboys. They lost their starting quarterback and yet they're still excellent. Uh, Mike McCarthy has has uh, uh, dared to become halfway confident or, or, or competent. Uh, 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 what, how how are we supposed to look at your political analysis after that? Um, one, I said the Eagles are going to win the NFC East, and they're five and zero. So that's true. They're still better than Cooper Rush. Um, <laughs> and two, uh, I called Pat Ryan winning New York nineteen like six weeks before it happened. So <laughs> okay, like, all right, all right. I'm no just saying. I'm just saying. Also, also, also said on that same podcast that the Bengals were going to be a disaster and the Ravens were going to win the AFC North. So feeling good about that. Yeah. They've been, yeah, it turns out they tried to fix their offensive line and they might have, uh, you know, done the. Exact oh, I wrote about Georgia this week for the lines. So read that. If you want more takes on why Herschel's screwed, I wrote about Georgia. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, I think it was on your newsletter, but I particularly liked your, um, your, your, your take on Forsyth, Forsyth County out there yes, in, uh, in, yes, in Georgia. Yes. I, whatever, whatever I do, uh, whatever I do my own podcast or, or what I do other shows, it's like, yeah, Forsyth is just the drinking game of scrimshot at this point. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, buddy. Thanks. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Say hello to Scrim, px3guest.com. You want to email the program, you can do so, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Share this show with your friends and family, your family, your friends, family, and clergy. I got the L mixed up from clergy at px3podcast.com. If you'd like to support the program, you can do so, especially now that I'm going to be back on the road for the next few weeks. PayPal.me slash pay jury. Venmo is Justin-Young-20. Our cash app is PX3Cash. And you can send anything you would like to my inbox, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, post office box. 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. If you want bonus content, if you want to get my first reactions to that Herschel Walker debate, well, you can do so. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Andres, Matt, Unsafe TB Levels, Katie, Amanda, Yield Pinball Shop, MC Radio, DV for Bungo, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100-mile runner, Idris Arslandi, and Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, Stephen, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana, turn two, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief, Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome, Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves, Frank got abducted, Utah, Jimmy, Montana, the Jen. A L D L D L D really chopper Andrew Joshua. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who supports, especially now this is when the money really matters. And uh, anybody who is up upping their pledges. uh, Thank you to all of you who have done it. Thank you to all of you who have shared this podcast with a friend of yours, uh, because this is the tis the season to uh, uh, spread the good news of PX3 to any and all. Thank you to all these people that I went to this conference with that downloaded the show. If this is the first show that you're listening to since then, then uh, 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 we're glad to have you, friends. Welcome. Welcome. But until next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying... 
Some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.